Hi, this is Raphael Post-Sussman of the Center for Court Innovation. This podcast is part of a series we are doing with people seeking to curb violence and improve access to public health for at-risk minority youth as part of the Minority Youth Violence Prevention Initiative. The initiative is a partnership of the Office of Minority Health at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Office of Community-Oriented Policing Services at the U.S. Department of Justice that encourages collaboration among public health organizations, law enforcement agencies, and community-based groups. Our podcast series highlights innovative approaches at the nine demonstration sites that have received funding under the program. Youth Alive, which is based in Oakland, is an anti-violence program that serves youth injured by violence or exposed to violence, youth who have a close relationship with murder victims, and formerly incarcerated youth. In August, I spoke with Rafael Vasquez, program coordinator at Youth Alive's Caught in the Crossfire hospital-based violence intervention program about Caught in the Crossfire and Youth Alive's new trauma screening tool, the Screening Tool for Awareness and Relief of Trauma, also known as START. This interview was recorded at Youth Alive headquarters. I'm Rafael Pope Sussman, and today we're speaking with Rafael Vasquez, program coordinator at Caught in the Crossfire at the Youth Alive program. Rafael, thank you for speaking with me, and welcome. Thank you. So, Caught in the Crossfire. So, Caught in the Crossfire is a hospital-based intervention program. It's been around for over 20 years. It was started at Highland Hospital, and we service young men who have been, been victims of crime. We provide wraparound uh, case management services, and we meet them at the hospital, which is, you know, we believe it's a crucial place to meet them at. And we try to build our tr- the trust and a relationship with them so that we can follow them out once they exit the, or are discharged from the hospital. So can you talk about how that happens logistically? So if someone comes into the hospital, we have an injury prevention coordinator at the hospital. She works for the hospital. She then is the actual first interviewer of the client she tells them a little bit about the program she lets them know what sort of services we provide she'll then make a referral out to the program manager and then i actually go and meet with the client in person at the hospital from there on we match him up with an intervention specialist and so can you tell me a little bit about that first visit so the first visit you know it can go in a lot of different ways but generally what should happen is you go in, make introductions, you introduce the program yourself, uh, explain the program. You also let them know, depending on the severity of the injury, what sort of things they can expect from the doctors, what sort of questions they may have. You can sometimes answer some of those questions for them, give them advice in terms of what they can do to feel better. Sometimes they're in a lot of pain and the interactions that they're having are not necessarily positive at that time. And they're scared. so. You know, um, you try to gain as much information as you can. You know, do they have legal problems? That kind of thing. Are they okay at home? Do they have children? Are their kids okay? Are they? Are there any safety issues where they're going? Right. Oftentimes, uh, we've had to move families. You know, out of where they're at just for their own safety. So that's what tends to happen in the first visit. That's what you want to do. So the idea is that you want to make sure they're not going to retaliate, go after somebody. Uh, make sure that they're safe where they, once they exit the hospital and someone isn't going to come after them or their family members. So you're coming in at an incredibly sensitive time. Mm-hmm. How do you build trust? It depends a lot on the individual, but there's, you have to be genuine and actually 
talk about things so that they get a sense for you and they know that you understand. You don't necessarily like self-divulge, you know, personal things, but the idea is that, you know, most of us have overcome uh, violence in our own lives. Um, we have experience, you know, with, it's, whether it's a family loss or a friend. And so you kind of talk on that level with them. And you also show them that the concern goes beyond, you know, hey, you know, you're going to be okay. We're going to ship you out and, you know, that'll be it. It's like, we're going to track you. We're going to be with you. We're going to be there to support you. And anything you may need, you know, give us a call. We may not be able to do it, but we'll never lie to you. We'll tell you what we can and can't do, right? Um, we try to meet them where they're at. And a lot of times, it's, you know, it may not be the first time you get there. But by the time they have a feel for you, by the time the visit is over, they have a feel for you that you're actually in their corner. That's what you want to try to establish with them. And what is the role of law enforcement? Um, so we let them know if, for example, you're my client and you have a warrant, right? You're on probation. You, so we let them know what support you, you know, um, is there anyone we can contact you? You have a PO, that kind of thing. And we also let them know that anytime that there's law enforcement contact, you're always going to know first. It's something that you're going to request from us to do, and so that we're never going to go behind your back and do something and talk to law enforcement without your knowledge. Um, everything is confidential, and that for the most part, any conversation that happens with law enforcement is for their behalf, on their behalf, and for their benefit. Is there sort of apprehension sometimes when you are coming in about whether you're representing more of a institutional angle? Always. That's the thing that we always try to address from the beginning. We're actually here for you. We're in your corner, right? Um, and we're going to help you navigate through all these different systems. We'd like to make sure that they understand that even though we are at the hospital, we're not the hospital, right? Because there's sometimes, unfortunately, that they have negative interactions with hospital staff. So we want to separate that. Hey, we're going to try to, you know, broker a better relationship between you and the nurse, between you and the doctors, whatever is going on. Um, and we're working for you. The idea is that we're not going to place judgment on the client because he's, we don't actually know what the full story is, right, walking in. Um, there are often times where you have uh, medical staff who do place uh, judgments um, or they have their own ideas about why a certain person is in there, whether the way they speak or the way they look, whatever the case may be. Um, so we try to advocate on their end you know, that um, there could have been a number of historical things that led up to that shooting, right, um, that doesn't necessarily uh, or shouldn't necessarily make a difference on what kind of treatment they receive at the hospital. Have you seen changes with with your partners in terms of how they do treat the people who are coming in? Yeah, there's, uh, there are some wonderful staff people at, at Highland. You know, over the years I have seen they've grown more empathetic, I would say, you know, towards young people, and there's still a lot of holdouts that are like, you know, well, hey, you know, something's wrong with the parenting, these kids didn't get enough parenting, or their behavior, or whatever the case may be that, you know, they will point the finger or all the blame, and I'm not saying that all youth are completely innocent from why they're there, but if we're there to provide medical care for them, right, the word care needs to be in there. It's not about placing judgment and making someone feel like, you know, you're in here because it's your fault. You need to, you know, shape up and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get over it. And so can you talk me through maybe a case that you felt was a successful outcome? 
So, you know, success can have many faces, right? Success can be simply not retaliating and not, not putting another body in the hospital or the morgue. It can also mean that, you know, the, the client himself or herself continues to move on and have a positive life and they have a family, go on and get jobs, right? Go to college or whatever their journey is. That's the ideal. Many times, depending on how severe the injury is, right, um, you can have a kid who ends up in a wheelchair and getting him through not giving up on his own life and moving through and, you know, being functioning somehow in society and that sort of thing can also be a success. That's why we say we meet them where they're at because you don't actually know where they're going to end up at, depending on how severe the injury is. And if they're already bringing a lot of historical factors that affect them, you want to see if you can get them to help. One, if you do get them around the whole stigma of getting mental health services and they actually sign up to mental health services and you move them past that and they get something from the mental health, that's also a type of success. So it, success can vary on, depending on what you're looking for. So yeah, if you can, tell me a recent story that this takes in your mind. Let's see. So one of the recent stories is two sisters that were shot together in front of their home trying to stop a fight. They apparently got into a fight over the dogs with their neighbors. The neighbor calls somebody up, says, hey, I got a problem with my neighbor. Come over here. Things escalated. They end up shot. They have to go back into their neighborhood, into that same house. Luckily, we partnered with another agency that was able to get them safety relocation and got them out of the immediate area for a few days. And part of their other program is to come in and kind of make peace between different people having different kinds of issues. And we were able to calm things down through that. Now, we're still working with both of the sisters. They're going to be moving out and being relocated and they have kids in the home. So we've, for the most part, stopped the violence. We're ensuring that it doesn't keep going. And the idea is that once they exit the immediate area where they're at, that danger will be gone for both sides. So that's one that sticks out of my mind. And what is the follow-up there? So the follow-up would be making sure, right, because they're still freshly out the hospital. So the danger is that you know, they get re-injured, they're back in the hospital. Now the injury is worse, right? Or they can be killed, depending on how serious it gets, right? So the follow-up is that once you get them out of there, now you focus them on getting the medical attention and then getting mental health. If the kids, because that's a total for kids in the home, little kids, and if they need assistance, getting them the assistance that they need, and then moving them past as a unit, because there's two families that are being affected. And then seeing where they end up in support, you know, it could be getting them jobs, wherever they're going to move to, making sure that they're okay and they have some support group once they, you know, whether it's another agency, family members, churches, whatever it is that we need to hook them up with once they are whatever area they end up at. That's the follow-up. And then we just track them to see what, what kind of things come up as they go. What is the role that this new trauma screening tool is playing? So the STAR program, the cool thing about the STAR program for the kids, the real nice thing, is that they actually get techniques that really help them deal with the stress from day to day. The questions that are already there help them to open up to talking about it. And so they don't feel like when they're coming and, oh, you know, somebody's going to lay me down on the couch and they're going to want me to talk about my feelings. Most of the young men we deal with don't react well to that, right? So uh, it's, it's the major role that it's playing is that it's opening the kids up and sort of prepping them for actually meeting on one-on-one with a therapist and then knowing that the therapy is 
the way that we do it here is make sure that it's about your current injury and not about all your historic. They can do that too. They can, once they get, uh, you know, a feel for the, for the therapist and the trust is there, they, they tend to open up even more. So that's the main thing that the main impact that has had. Wonderful. All right, you got me before coffee. <laughs> I hope I did all right. Fantastic. <laughs> this is Rafael Pope Sussman speaking with Rafael Vasquez, program coordinator at Youth Alive. For more information on the Center for Court Innovation, visit www.courtinnovation.org.